Some of them are shocking. Like when you hear accusations about Bill Cosby from 20 and 30 and 40 years ago, a childhood hero of mine. Some of them are kind of innocuous. When it's about what your real age is or your real weight or you have a hairpiece or you color your hair or you got some strange body oddity, tramp stamp. (laughs) And some of them are deep and devastating. There's a history, there's an act. There's a habit, there's an involvement, there's an issue. They are our secrets. And everybody has one. Mark Twain once said, everyone is like the moon, has a dark side, which he never shows to anybody. We're going to do this series because it's important. We're doing it because of what we're committed to be around here. We're not here to play religion. We're not here to just come in and, and act like everything's okay. We're here because we want to know what a real, authentic relationship with the God of the universe is like. We want to know what it means to see our lives become like his, the way he intended them to be. And we know that if we say that, a big, big part of that has to do with hidden things that we all carry. And the hidden things are a major factor in that part of our lives. So we're going to talk about secrets. And we're going to come out and ask you to think about what yours are. And we're going to make a few assumptions. One of those assumptions is you have them. And they affect you. Maybe much more than you think they do. If you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the uh, New Testament, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. going to show you a lot of scripture, but going to camp on Ephesians 5 a little bit when we introduce this. And let's just talk about what a secret is. Most of us kind of know what we mean by that. But we're, we're going to say that a secret is something that, you have, that you've done or has, you've had done to you or that you are doing or that is true of you. That you keep, from other, you keep others from knowing for self-determined reasons. Now, the Bible uses a lot of terms to describe those things in our lives. And here are some of them in Psalm 44. It calls them the secrets of the heart. In Ecclesiastes 12, it calls them the hidden things. Proverbs 28, 30 calls them the concealed things. Hebrews 4, 12 talks about the attitudes of our heart that are kept private. And in particular, when the Bible talks about those things, it's going to use a descriptive word to, to say what kind of quality is is true about them it's going to use the word darkness it shows up a lot first corinthians chapter 4 verse 5 it says he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of man's heart that word gets used several times to describe these things and ephesians 5 is going to is going to use that phrase i want to just follow along if you got it ephesians 5 starting with verse 8 you were once darkness But now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of these things, all goodness and righteousness and truth. Can can you stop a minute? Don't don't just treat those as Bible words. 
There's something really important about those little phrases right there. Goodness and righteousness and truth. It's describing the way you were designed to be. When God got done with creation and he said, he looked at it all and it was good. It wasn't just morally good. It meant the best it could possibly be. The wholeness might be a good word to use there. Wholeness consists of goodness and righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Then it says this, verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. That's why it said this phrase, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Those things are called dark for a reason. It's because they possess a quality of being unhealthy and impure and they're contaminants in life. They represent that which minimizes or diminishes what we were designed to be, what we are at our best, full functionality. So physically and emotionally or spiritually, they're diminishing. They're shame-inducing. They're reputation-threatening. And like I said, we're gonna, th- three things we're going to assume today. And if you don't agree with these, sorry I'm talking, so I'm just going to say them anyway. These are based on what God says about our secrets. Here's, here's the things I'm going to just assume. That you have them even if you say you don't. Kirby Puckett, the late Kirby Puckett, who was a Hall of Famer, was, had a famous thing he was quoted saying once. He says, everything's been written. Every, everybody knows everything about me. There are no secrets except the skeletons in my closet. You have them. We're going to assume that. Here's another assumption. They are exerting a level of control in your life, even if you're not consciously thinking about them, even if they're not on the forefront of your mind. They are exerting an influence on your life from the inside. And here's the third assumption, that life to the fullest, the name of our church is Life Community Church, is from John 10.10, where Jesus said, I've come so that people could have life and that they could have it to its fullest. Life to the fullest is directly connected to our secrets and what we do with them. God has a way to fullness and wholeness, and it's going to involve identifying and acknowledging the darkness, the things that we hide, and properly expose them to what he calls the light. If you look at Ephesians 5, again, you'll see this juxtaposition that's done between the deeds of darkness and something that needs to be enacted on it. It's talked about bringing it into the light. The light is the presence of God and his instruments. It is to the forefront. It's to expose what has been hidden. It's to bring it into the light. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 4. For whatever's hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. There's an intention from God to do some things. If we want the fullness of life, there's a reality that we need to be honest with about God. He says, if you want that to happen, then the secrets, something needs to happen with the secrets. They need, we need to act on them in ways that many of us, if not most of us, would walk into the room saying, I would never dream of doing that because we have reasons. And so our secrets come in various forms. They're all marked by uh, consistency. They're all marked with it by this compulsion to keep it hidden. A conviction that it's best to keep them hidden. And a commitment to keep them hidden. Those, those, our secrets can be one of several things. They can be past acts or choices or violations 
that we have been involved in. They might be criminal. They may be moral. They may be interpersonal. They may be something that happened to us. Our secret may be a past act where we were violated by somebody. Or perhaps we violated somebody else. They can be present involvements. Things that are involvements and feelings and thoughts. They can be chemical related. They can be relationally related. They could be sexually related. They might be behavioral. They could be emotional. There is something being harbored there. And then sometimes they might be habitual things. What has been called addicted America. You know, they say 26% of Americans now have some form of addiction currently in their lives. Can I make that real? We just look around the room. At least one-fourth of us have some form of addiction going on. Now, we want to say around here that this is going to be a safe place. This is a place where God offers something And the first thing he offers is an acceptance that says, where you are, I will meet you there. I will not put shame on where you are. I'm not saying this to try to make us feel bad, more to just turn a key somewhere, more to just give us permission to say that something is true in our lives. Top 10 addictions in the U.S., alcohol, smoking, drugs, gambling, food or eating disorders, video games, internet, sex or pornography, shopping and work. Those are the top 10 There are others. There's a list of over 50 addictions in the uh, Journal of Medicine. An addiction is something, somebody said that the short definition of addiction is something you can't stop. Can I challenge that for a little bit? Because a whole lot of us don't admit we have addictions because we have stopped. But we come back. And we keep coming back. A lot of us have convinced ourselves it's not an addiction because I can stop. I have stopped. But we keep coming back. If we can't control that it keeps coming back, perhaps it falls into that category. Can I just say this gently to friends? For those of us in the room who when we talk about that or you hear that list, there's something that pops in your mind that might be true of you. You don't want to deal with it and you want to, the first thing you want to say is, it's not me. I'm not an addict. Can I, can I invite you to stop for a moment and ask God? Would you be honest with God? We say we want to be honest. I'm asking you to be honest with Him. And one of the worst things that can happen for somebody who where it just keeps coming back, it keeps raising its head in our life, is to say, I'm not addicted. Josh Gordon just got football player for the Cleveland Browns, right? He just got suspended again for drug use. Here's a quote from Josh Gordon this week. I am not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not someone who deserves to be dissected and analyzed like some tragic example of everything that can possibly go wrong for a professional athlete. I'm a good person. I don't know Josh Gordon. I don't know his history. I can't speak to this. But can I tell you that those are some of the same phrases that we use? That it's not true of me. It's different about me. The the secrets share some common indicators of what makes them so. They share that they detract rather than enhance our intimacy with people, our purity, our openness, 
our holiness. Do you see this phrase that gets used in, in Ephesians 5? There's a, you see the word fruit and fruitless. Verse 9 says, talks about the fruit of the light. And then in verse 7, 11, it's going to say, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. That's an important word because it's talking about the effect it produces in a life. And something that's a secret produces some effects. It isolates you. It creates pockets of your life that are not that are off limits. It, it affects the intimacy you have with the people closest to you. It, it, it affects your level of purity, affects your level of openness, all of which are things that God says cre- humans were created to live and be. So the fruit of, of the light is goodness and righteousness and truth. The opposite, the fruitlessness, is that when these things are in our lives, those things diminish in us. They have that effect. They, they isolate us rather than share the part of our life that we're closest with. And here's what's absolutely true about this, and it's been true in my life. It feels like, our secrets feel like it would cost you far more if it would, than it would benefit you if it was revealed. The, the word that gets used in Ephesians 5, it says in verse 12, that it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. There's shame involved with it the price tag that comes with it is very very strong there's a a compiled list of the of the motivations that make that that drive us to keep our secrets here's that here's that list fear shame pride denial cowardice selfishness self-trust hopelessness it would be a good thought to just unpack all of those. In fact, in our cell groups this week, I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to give our cell leaders that list and perhaps ask ourselves, when you look at that list, which one's the strongest for you? When you've kept secrets, which, which of those is the strongest? I will tell you for me, growing up in an environment where my acceptance, I thought with God and my acceptance with people around me had to do with my performance that the secrets that I developed and kept, were be- I did it because of shame. Fear and shame go hand in hand in that. I also dabbled a little bit in self-trust. Convincing myself, I know what I'm doing. I can handle this. No, it's not going to help me. I've decided when I write my prescription for what to, how to deal with this. Self-trust. I write the prescription of what needs to happen. And when I write the prescription, disclosing it is not part of the deal. Some of us spiritualize that by saying, God and I can handle it together. All I need is Jesus. Ignoring the fact that when Jesus says how he helps us do it, his instruments include disclosure. His instruments include being in community with people who are going to know my secrets. Taking responsibility for them. That is what Jesus does in my life. Can I ask you a question when you look at that list? Just look at that list. And let me ask you this. When you look at those things, how many of those would you say reflect the character of God? If those things are motivations in my life and I want to reflect the character of God, how many of those line up with what you think of him to be, with what you know or have heard of what Jesus Christ's character is, motivations in his life? How many of those would you look at and say, those things are known to produce wholeness? 
when they're present. They bring health. There's a reason you can maybe summarize those things in what Jesus said in John 3 when he said, here's a verdict, light. There's that light and darkness thing again. He brings the light. He brings the invitation to bring our whole hearts and lives into the light. That has come into the world. But here's what happens. Here's the just bottom line. Men love darkness instead of the light because their deeds are evil. So we keep things secret. And we, we use suppression of them. We use avoidance. We convince ourselves we don't need to think about it. We use denial that it's not there or it's not what it is. We use diversionary tactics to make people believe certain things instead of what they see. We use revisionist history. We go back to what happened before and we change our perspective on what it was so that it, it, we can cope with it a little more. It doesn't feel so bad. It doesn't feel, feel so wrong. We work hard to convince ourselves. And there are phrases that people who keep secrets use. These are phrases I have used. These are phrases that you use or have used. Phrases like, this is really nobody else's business. Have you heard that one? Have you used that one? Phrases like, it's not affecting anything. It's not affecting me. It's not hurting anyone. Or it's not a problem. It's under control, we say to ourselves. Or we say to ourselves, well, they just wouldn't understand. If they could understand, maybe, but there's no way they would understand. Or we say, it's in the past. What's, what's in the past is the past. Doesn't need to be thought about or dealt with. And what we have determined consistently is that there, there's far more damage or hurt that will come by revealing it than doing what I'm doing, which is concealing it. My marriage will end. My job will be lost. My reputation will be destroyed. And nothing is worse than that kind of thing happening. If that's you, and I'm going to tell you this as a pastor and people who works in, a, in an environment where we, we have said, we're taking the masks off. We've said it before. We know this around here. We know the secret. We know that you're messed up. We know that you're carrying secrets. We don't, might know the specifics of them, but we know that you're a mess. I'm a mess. We get together and say that we're a mess. But if you're that person who thinks that I'm going to contain it, and it's better if that happens, if that's you, this is what you need to hear. Your secret is keeping you from the best experience that God has in your life. It's keeping you from the wholeness that God intended for you to be having. It is affecting you. Here's some stats. 35% of, Amer 35 of Americans have had infidelity on business trips. Work people who take business trips, 35% have, have, have had experienced infidelity. Uh, up to two-thirds have had an inappropriate non-sexual contact with a co-worker that they haven't told their spouse. Closet drinking among women is up 500% in our country in the last 10 years. 
One-third of born-again Christians, people who would call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, one-third admit to having had an extramarital affair. 75% of those have had more than one. Up to 20% of women in the church have suffered from some form of eating disorder. 15% of us cheat on our taxes. 7.2 million Americans hide money from their spouses, spending habits, and money itself. 20% have spent $500 or more without telling their partner. One in four women, Christian women, have been sexually assaulted or abused, and the majority of those have not disclosed it. And 77%, over three-fourths of Christian men between the ages of 18 and 30, view pornography at least once a month. 36% do it at least once a day. If you're keeping secrets, hear it. God has called us to, to know Him in ways that will set us free, That'll be the, the life to the fullest. But your secret is keeping that from happening. French novelist uh, André Moreau, who was Minister of Cultural Affairs, famously said, a man is not what he thinks he is. He is what he hides. And if we think more damage is done if it comes out, it's better and safer this way, I need to tell you straight out that is a self deluding lie it is not more damage is being done proverbs 20 i'm going to show you this a couple times today he who conceals his sins does not prosper whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy look again at verses 8 and 11 of ephesians chapter 5 you were once darkness but now you are light of the lord live live as children of the light the fruit that comes out of that is better than what darkness does. Verse 11, don't have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. God is very, very clear about this. And you know what? Somewhere in our hearts we know it. Somewhere in our secrets, we wish... It would, we wouldn't have to keep it secret. We wish something would be different. You might have heard of the app. It's called Whisper. And it's become uh, just, it's taken off. And it allows you to anonymously post secrets and converse with other revealers. It's been downloaded over 2, 2.5 million times. It might be outdated in that now. Its audience ranges from teenagers to active military personnel. The CEO, Michael Hayward, talked about why it exists. Talked about that there's something within our hearts, something, and I don't know where this guy is spiritually. He just, but he said there is something within us and innately wants our secret. We want to ha- hit a release valve. It's so wearying to carry it. It's it's so consuming that we look for some place just to get it out there. And so this app allows you to post it without anybody knowing who you are. It's it's not authentic. It's not. It's not actual disclosure, but it's just some kind of a release valve. This is what he says. I'd love to live in a world where 100 years from now, whisper doesn't exist in its present form and where we all just feel so intimately close to one another another, that we're just able to share these things with each other. Can I tell you that in a fallen world, that's not going to happen. That world will not exist until Jesus sets up his kingdom. Our hearts know it. We instinctively crave it. And yet, 
a whole lot of us. Some of you right now sitting here, you walk in today, you didn't know, even know what we were going to talk about. And there is you and you say, not a chance. Not a chance. I'm asking you to let God by His Spirit do something. You came here for a reason today. You came here because you want God to do something. I'm asking you to allow Him to have at least an opening about this in your life. We need to jar loose our steeled resolve that that will not be open, that will not be seen because of all the reasons we say it doesn't matter, it doesn't hurt anybody, I'm doing okay. There are some things that God wants us to know about our secrets. I'm going to introduce these today and next week we're going to dive in further. We've got some resources for you. To, 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 we're, we're serious about this, guys. Here's what some things God wants you to know about your secrets. First of all, this may be a no-brainer, but we need to hear it. He knows them. He knows them inside and out. He knows them. He says it over and over again. In Proverbs 5, it says, A man's ways are in full view of the Lord. He examines all his paths. Romans 2 says that God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Jeremiah 16, he says, My eyes are on all the ways. This is God speaking. They're not hidden from me, nor is, there, is their sin concealed from my eyes. He knows them. And he's not recoiling from them. He's not looking at them with anger. He's not looking at them with, with shame and disappointment. He's looking at them with longing. God knows your secret fully and completely. We need to understand this too about God. He's got a way about him. And this is, he, he wants us to understand. He will bring your secret out. He will find a way to, to, to let your secret be known. In the book of Numbers, it gets misquoted sometimes, but it says, understand that your sinful ways are going to have consequences. They're going to be exposed in your life. This is how, how Jesus said it in Luke chapter 12. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. What you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. God is relentless about that because he wants you to experience forgiveness and wholeness. And they will be excused. Some of us say, well, you know, people will I'll die with this secret. That's what you think. Maybe not. God says also that there will be full accountability for that which we hold secret, whether it's done to us or by us. Ecclesiastes 12 says, God will bring every deed to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. And Hebrews 4 puts it this way in verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered. Everything is laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. It's having an effect on us. We need to know that God wants us to know this, that our secrets are right now negatively affecting us in significant ways. We're going to talk about this more next week. But here's a quote from Psychology Today that talked about the secrets we've been said. Concealing some truths is like swallowing slow-acting poison. One's insides gradually rot. And hiding them 
keeping them concealed always produces more damage in the long run than bringing them out now. Again, here's Proverbs 28. The one who conceals his sins does not prosper. That phrase, does not prosper, means his path is going to be harder, it's going to be more difficult than if he didn't. But the alternative will result in in mercy being found. There is, hear this please, there is a freedom. On the other side of the shame, on the other side of the fear, on the other side of what we imagine could be the worst possible thing that could happen, there is a freedom. There is a better degree of health on the other side of bringing this into the light. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 14. For it is the light that makes everything visible, and that is why it said, wake up, O sleeper. It's a, it's, it's a figurative term. This is a, this is a quote. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ is going to shine on you. He uses terminology to say there is something that's dying inside that can be brought to life. Christ can shine on us. Our friends at Alcoholics Anonymous have a saying, you're only as sick as your secrets. There is healing on the other side of it. And I I just want to invite you to think about this from this passage and others we're going to look at to say, it's time to open the door. It's time to crack the door and allow God to open it just enough to, and maybe push wider. There's a, it's time to see what, can, what needs to happen with that which we have hidden. Next week, we're going to talk about how. And I want to tell you that we're committed to helping with this. We're going to talk about the effects that our secrets are having on us and how you open the door. And there's a, we're going to have provisions of ways to take that first step. Two more weeks left in this series. The second and third next of, these, of the weeks. Next week and the week after. We've partnered with our friends at Cornerstone Family Services. Professional Counseling Group. And they've, they have agreed to come and in the, on Sunday afternoon of those. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon. To come and free of charge have an outlet where people can say, it's time for me to deal, deal with this. To give some direction. No charge for that. That's going to happen the next two Sundays. Our invitation to you is going to be, let's walk this road together. I'm going to call on us to create an atmosphere where we say there is full acceptance given when we reveal our secrets. We will, we will commit ourselves in our cell groups and beyond it to walk through this together. And we will see what God says is, is the fruit of righteousness. We will see life to its more full. We will see freedom happen in our lives. You've been carrying a secret. For a long time, you're carrying a secret about something that's happening right now and you're not sure what to do with it. God's invitation is to say, let's bring the secret into the light.